Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So stay with us as right now we present. I have the rare opportunity. I've talked to this gentleman before. He's been on the show before. If you want to go uh, look up uh, Michael Schnabel, you can. And he's the author of of the uh, of the book Daddy's Girl. He is a wonderful grandfather, grandfather, and author, and a professional man in his own right. And he's with us today because he's got something new that we're going to talk to him about. That I'm really excited about that because I think that you can from your perspective, can help a lot of people. So, Michael, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing well, Kevin. Thank you very much for having me back on. I always enjoy coming on your program. You're a wonderful host. You make it easy for your uh, listeners and, and for your guests. So thank you so much. Well, you're, you're more than welcome because I am thoroughly intrigued with your story. And just really briefly, mm-hmm. uh, we'll go over Daddy's Girl, but we've got more not more important things, but more contemporary things to talk about. Sure. Uh, which is the, the work that you have that you've just completed that is out now. And uh, and you're virtually giving it away. Um, so if you uh, um, tell us a little bit more about the book and the life experience that you and your family went through with Daddy's Girl. Well, um Originally, uh, we just came into a crisis and uh, my daughter at 27 years of age um, experienced uh, the wonderful excitement of uh, giving birth to her only child. And then two weeks later, found the uh, devastating news that she had an 8% chance of living. She had stage stage four colon cancer with metastasis to her liver, and they gave her about an 8% chance of living five years. And so as a family, it was devastating, uh, but we were able to go ahead and step up. Um, We took her uh, around the country to various places, various oncologists, until we found a uh, dream team, and um, we overcame it. And I say we because it was a team. We created a team of five within our family, stood next to our daughter, because we realized very quickly that she was in the epicenter of this, but it was happening. We were all reacting to it but it was happening to her, it was her life. And she decided that she was going to do everything she could to survive to go ahead and raise this child. More than death, she was afraid of leaving this child alone without a mom. And so she made that her calling and her uh, cause to go ahead and fight. And through a lot of ups and downs, a lot of uh, crisis situations, uh, she maintained. And uh, after three and a half years, we went to the Mayo Clinic, uh, right one of the uh, first places we went to was the Mayo Clinic. And our oncologist there said that uh, she would never be cured. And uh, that was difficult, that was devastating news. Uh, However, three and a half years later, he did tell her she was cured. When she had told me that she didn't want to leave this child alone as a grandfather, as her father and the grandchild, uh, grandfather of this child, I really wanted to find some way of trying to capture her essence. And so that became uh, a ritual that I went through the next day. I started going ahead and putting together a journal, capturing everything that his mother went through in case she wasn't there to tell him herself uh, that he would at least have a journal form that uh, knowing what, uh, how hard she fought, how hard she wanted to be with him and uh, everything that she did. When uh, three and a half years later, the Mayo doctor told us, the oncologist told us that she was cured, we couldn't believe it. And uh, he knew we were writing the journal. He knew I was writing the journal. We got pretty close to him. We were up there 17 different times, uh, visits, and, and would spend an hour to two hours with him every time. And so he asked me a favor. He said, Mike, he said, Stephanie's story creates hope for others. And he said, please go ahead and make this story public. And so I rewrote the book and moved it from a journal to Caden to um, Daddy's Girl um, and uh, a father, his daughter, and the battle she won. And we launched that in March, and it's doing very well. I am so glad because it is a really touching story. And And I have to thank you, Michael, because you gave me the opportunity to interview you, Stephanie, Caden, all together 
in the same room, and he's a strapping young man of 17 years old, maybe 18 by now. No, he's 17, yeah. Oh, very good. And he's, he's a great kid, and you can see the forever bond between mother and child uh, because they had an experience. And, you know, he grew up with this experience, and he learned about it over time. And he, he for my money, he's a great kid. Isn't yeah. he a snowboarder or something? Or a, a, He's doing some athletics. He's a soccer player, but he plays at a national level. Yes. So last year at a national level, they came into the final four, so they did very well. And again, that is a great reason why mom really, really wanted to fight to be here because I'm sure Stephanie was rooting him on in the stands with you. Yeah. yeah. Well, we were very fortunate because uh, we ran in, uh, as you know, reading the book, we ran into a lot of difficulties along the way. It wasn't just the first day and getting the uh, diagnosis. Uh, we continued to have uh, a lot of stumbling blocks, a lot of uh, uh, near-death experiences. And um, fortunately, because of our faith and because we just continued to try and continue to work very hard, the five of us, uh, the um, our, we called it a team of five, my daughter, my her husband, my wife, myself, and the child. And um, we were able to go ahead and overcome this. She was over, able to overcome this. And a lot of it was due to faith and God just providing us the things that we needed when we needed it and uh, a lot of hard work and um, but we're, we're just so blessed i mean in the darkest darkest times we got the best possible outcomes and i have used your example many times on the air about about the power of family and the power of working together and how all your energy and your creator and everything worked in concert to make the outcome as good as it can be. Now, does that mean that there aren't going to be uh, uh, hiccups from time to time and challenges? Of course not. That's yeah. what part of that's what life is all about. And yeah. um, it also encouraged you to write a a shorter piece that you are giving away for a, a either it's free or it's ninety nine cents, which is the same thing. Yeah, we. Uh, I wanted to give it away free on my website and just make it available to people. Uh, the name of it is Living Through a Crisis, a guidebook for loved ones. And it's a 42 page uh, document. Um, and my publisher wouldn't allow me just to give it away. And they said, let's go ahead and put it on Amazon as an ebook. Uh, it's a 42 page document and uh, we'll sell it as cheap as they'll allow us to. So we're selling it for 99 cents. And uh, that has been, a lot of fun putting together because through this experience, we really wanted to share it with people to provide others that are in struggle, other people that are in crisis, hope, and, and let them learn some of the lessons, uh, learn from some of the things that we went through and how we found our way through some of these things. And um, hope is, is a very powerful thing when you've got it, but sometimes when you're in crisis, it's hard to feel it. And so as we looked at that and some of the other things, as we got to the end of the book and it was published and people started talking about different parts of it, I started thinking, I need to put out like a guidebook and, and uh, something, uh, maybe not a path people can follow, but maybe some things that they need to be aware of and think through and, and kind of talk through. And so that's when I put together this, um, uh, this uh, guidebook, this Living Through a Crisis guidebook. And so that's available at Amazon for 99 cents. And um, it has things in it like how to create a support team, uh, how to develop a plan to go ahead and move forward. Uh, how do you find the right medical help? Uh, the importance of attitude, the importance of the responsibilities of the patient and the responsibility of the caregivers, uh, things like that. How you deal with the stress, the importance of faith, uh, forgiveness, and saying thank you. And so in a nutshell, that's what we go through. And there's a few pages on each one. And it's not an end all, uh, but it's, it's certainly a starting point. I wish we would have had something like this when we started, because we, uh, in the beginning, we just didn't have a clue what to do. Well, and, and, and I'm sure in the pamphlet somewhere, it talks about your relationship with your oncologist and that the one, a particular oncologist that you started with Mm -hmm. You decided you ba basically for my money, you fired him and said, nah, we don't like what you're saying. And you went out and got somebody that yep. you felt really comfortable with. Tell yeah. us that story. 
That was really critical because, you know, you take a look at um, uh, you want to have help. That's what we want. As soon as we got the diagnosis, we didn't know what to do. And we needed somebody to step in and help us and be a quarterback for us and guide us. And uh, we were fortunate to find an excellent surgeon that night. She had surgery the next morning. And so we were moving very quick. But with these types of decisions and the chances that she had uh, being against her, we really felt that every decision we made had to be perfect. It had to be the right decision because it could be life or death. And so we did try an oncologist who talked down to us and told us not to worry about things. And he was going to treat her just like he would a 85-year-old uh, or a 65-year-old man with colon cancer. And he used one algorithm for every patient. And we just didn't feel good about it. Uh, as a team, we talked about it. And so we continued to look. We did the same thing with the first research center that we went to. We really thought that was going to be the place for us. And we found out that that wasn't the right fit. And it doesn't mean these people are bad people. It just didn't work for us. We weren't getting the right connection. We didn't feel comfortable and uh, uh, that we had the leadership that we needed. So we continued to work. And then we found that leadership. We found that uh, uh, level of expertise at the uh, University of Kansas with Dr. Joaquin Baranda, and then at the Mayo Clinic uh, with um, uh, a physician there, an oncologist there. And, and it's just, we found a home and uh, we found the quarterbacks and we found our way. It's interesting because the oncologist that you, that you went to said to either Stephanie or you or both that, okay, you're a 27 year old healthy woman. I'm not going to treat you like an 85 year old elderly guy yes. that, that we have to treat. Uh, it, the protocol would be completely different. Yes. And so we're, I'm going to take you as a healthy person to places that I would never dare take an 85 year old man because you, your body can handle it and you can handle it. Is that, is that kind of how that conversation? Yeah, you've got a great memory, Kevin. Yes. Uh, that is, that is exactly, she said, I'm going to take you as close to death as I can and then bring you back again because we need to get as much drug into you. We need to be as aggressive as we can to go ahead and kill all the cancer and stop this from spreading any further. And it was scary to hear those things. And that's exactly what she did. We used aggressive doses. Uh, we used aggressive surgery. That's one thing my daughter wanted to do. She wanted to get rid of this stuff. And she was willing to pay the price in the short term to go ahead and live long term. And so she, whenever we were given choices, she always chose the most aggressive way. That is a remark. <laughs> I don't know if I have the intestinal fortitude to say, all right, make it, make it hurt a lot. And, and stuff and i want to be on the brink of, of 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 dying and then you bring me back i'm not sure i got the, i would have the guts. i would completely agree with you i don't know that i could have done what she did either and it was amazing and she found her strength in her faith she found her strength in the those brown eyes of that little baby and she knew what she was fighting for and she wanted to live and she wanted to, uh to be a mom and you know you don't get in you don't get in front of a a mama bear if you're if her cubs there you go ahead and leave her be and so uh, she took these aggressive routes and and we had very close calls there were two different times we went to the emergency room and with uh, complications from the chemotherapy and in each case we were told uh, if you arrived uh, two three hours later um, she wouldn't have survived and uh, we really looked at that as scary as hell but also we really were frustrated with it in the beginning until we took a step back and realized a different perspective and we decided you know what god did get us there early enough to go ahead and stop her from dying so we our faith continued to grow throughout this whole thing and it was interesting because we began to really rely on our faith much more as we went through this journey than we did in the very beginning. And so we always had a quarterback with us. We just didn't realize it. And then they're always there for us. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm just thrilled to death that, and just for those of you that maybe have just tuned into this or missed it, she had a baby three months, three weeks later, Two. she was dying two weeks, two. 
She was diagnosed and the next morning had major abdominal surgery to to get to get what they could get done there. And what what a turnaround of a, of a couple of weeks. You, your heads must have been absolutely just spinning. It was like a roller coaster. We went from the highest high to the lowest low. And um, fortunately, between the five of us, we picked ourselves up and started moving forward rather quickly. And, and I think that's critical. You know, I learned in my business that when you've got a challenge, when you've got something sitting in front of you, you don't sit around and fret about it and complain about it and cry and whine. You've got to do something about it. And so that's what we did. We started making plans. And it's amazing what a plan can do to help you, uh, how good it can start to make you feel because you feel, instead of feeling helpless, you start to feel like you can do something about it. And so that's what we did. We started setting goals. We started uh, developing um, our, our uh, priorities. We knew we needed to get the right doctors, the right research centers because um, of the extent of the illness and the uh, seriousness of it, we knew we needed to get to um, cutting edge uh, oncologists, uh, cutting edge research centers that were doing uh, research and that could possibly get us into some um, uh, tests and, and using some clinical studies that uh, drugs that were not available yet. That didn't happen for us, but that happens to a lot of other people. And uh, we were just fortunate. So when you decided to write the uh, pamphlet, it was just 42 pages, Living Through a Crisis, uh, what was your motivation? I know your motivation factor was to help other people because yeah. what happened to you, which is why the book is doing so well, is that it was very unusual. Uh, okay. It doesn't, doesn't normally happen the way, and the outcome is not nearly as good most of the time. And I so. Agree. It gives you it gives you a lot of chops, if they will, if you will, to be able to to put together a pamphlet that can follow a bit of a blueprint. Is that kind of the, your intention? Yes, yes, it certainly is. And it starts out with creating a support team. You know that was so critical. You think about someone facing a death, someone facing a crisis like this, and then being alone. It's uh, very very scary. And just the fact to have someone come and stand next to them and say, we're going to be with you with this. And that's what we committed to that first night. We would be with her. We would find the best doctors. We would find uh, the best uh, clinics and hospitals to use, the best surgeons. We would be with her at every appointment. We would hold her hand. She would never be alone, and she never was. And we learned the power of these things. And we had experience. My wife was a nurse for over 30 years. I was in uh, the pharmaceutical industry for over 30 years. Um, I had been a manager. I had been in uh, a lot of different places where I learned uh, some skills. And my son-in-law was an architect. My, um, uh, my daughter was a teacher. And so together, we kind of pooled our resources and started putting together an effective plan. You know, how do we go ahead and find the right doctors? How do we go ahead and do this and that? And we divided up and each of us took a leadership role at different times. Uh, but in the very beginning, we didn't know what to do. And we kept asking. We went to some of the world's most famous institutions and asked them for a guidebook. What do we do? Just give us something that will lay out some basics that we need to focus in on and move forward. And nobody had anything. We asked uh, at least six or eight different oncologists. We asked uh, three different research centers. Every time we came across the same thing, well, I really don't know, you know? And uh, so that was something that I'm hoping this book fills that space for people. Uh, but also with this handout, this little 99 cent uh, ebook, I really believe it will help people get a perspective so they can start trying to realize the things that they need to focus in on and maybe give them a little bit of a boost, a little bit of a head start that we didn't have, that we had to find our way on. And so for me to be able to help, it is, it's just really exciting for me. The book was launched in, in March on the 22nd. And since then, it, it's, it's done very well. 
I couldn't tell you numbers because my publisher won't give me numbers. I, I we never do. Hey, we'll look at this in six months. Everybody gets excited. You're a new author. This takes a while to launch and things like that, but it's doing well. The reviews have been excellent, the professional reviews, as well as the reader reviews now on Goodreads and on um, on uh, Amazon and in places where you can put these up. I mean, almost everybody gives us a five. In fact, everybody except one individual has given us five out of five stars as they've reviewed the book. And I'm starting to hear success stories back. It's just, it's just so, it's so rewarding to me. I put 10 years into this book and my purpose was for my grandson. And then my purpose became to help others. And I'm finding that that's what's happening. Uh, I had two, sex, two success stories here in the last couple of weeks that people had bought the book and then they decided they wanted to buy a second book for a friend that was kind of in need. In one case, they had a friend that um, a gentleman was fighting a, a long-term disease. Uh, he was in a rural area and he just didn't feel like he was getting where he wanted to. So they gave him this book. He read the book and he says, you know, Instead of just sitting with the doctor that I've had for three years, I'm going to go to the university. And he went to the university and he got back to us and he says, you know, I found out more about my disease and what I could do to help myself in 45 minutes in that university that I did with this rural physician for three years. And it wasn't that the guy was bad, the doctor was bad. It was just a level of expertise. A second story came about with a lady and she was a nurse and she had, had been talking to her doctor. She had cancer. She was trying to fight it. And he wouldn't, he talked down to her. He wouldn't let her be part of the process. He didn't seem to take her seriously. It was more like we had experienced. Hey, I've got this. Don't worry about it. You just sit down and I'll take care of it. And so she changed doctors and she is thrilled with a physician now that is trying new things and that is listening to her. And I think it's simple things like that that keep coming back to me that I just get really, really excited be, because I know this book is touching people and it's helping people. I, I agree with you. And, and my brother had uh, stage four lung cancer. Yes. And, and this is not to say, what I'm about to say is not to uh, put a, a slanderous light on, on doctors, or, but they're busy people. They and they're used, to, they're used to doing what they normally do. Well, my brother had, uh, um, he fainted, and then they determined he had uh, um, um, a mass in his brain. He also had a mass in his lung. He also had uh, it in other places. And um, the brain surgeon did the surgery um, and ran into my, and it was successful, ran into my brother uh, a couple of months later and said, how you doing? This surgery went great and stuff, and you're doing really well. Nobody told him that he had stage four lung cancer. And so they weren't working together as a team. Yeah. Um, so nobody, so he thought things were going well. His, and, and nobody told my brother. They, 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 this was in Eastern Washington. And it was like only one lady said, I think you're sicker than you think you are. Mm -hmm. But nobody else would say, you are, we've got some serious issues here. And, and so it ended up he ended up passing away without having the full benefit of having and not only that but he was in eastern washington in western washington there's fred hutch there are some really fine cancer uh, facilities yeah. that he could have gone to in western washington but nobody ever recommended that he do that yeah. so it was so you i guess make a long story short what you guys did is you took the reins by the horns or the the bull by the horns, not the rain, the bull by the horns, and you were very involved and you didn't take no for an answer. Yes. And, and because you, it's your it's your decision who you spend that money with. Yeah. Well, and, and I'll be honest with you, both my wife and I spent our whole life uh, around physicians. And they, as a group, physicians are absolutely wonderful. And I'm not looking to tear them down by any means, no. but they're human. And the fact is half of them graduated in the bottom half of their class. And uh, the fact is that we all have bad days and good days. And the fact is we've all got different personalities. 
And a lot of what we were looking for was a personality, expertise, first of all, but also a personality that would allow us to go ahead and, and connect with them and to be part of the solution and to understand completely what was going on and to develop a relationship. So they weren't just the doctor that we saw, they were the doctor that was helping save her life. And there's a difference in that. And I can tell you that I've, I've met thousands of doctors and worked with them. And the vast majority are excellent people and are in the profession because they want to go ahead and help people. So I do not want to go ahead and downplay anything with physicians because I think it's just amazing the skill set and the knowledge and the effort and, and the, the work that they put in. But sometimes it isn't a good fit for you. I'm willing to bet. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I'm willing to bet that three and a half years in, when your doctor, when your oncologist could sit you down and say, you're cancer free, she did it with a great big smile on her face. Yeah, he did. It was him. Or he, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was Dr. Um, uh, Axel Grothy. And he sat down with us and we said, thank you so much. You made our day. And he says, no, no, no. She's made my day because he really didn't believe she had a good chance and he thought that he'd be treating her for a long time until we lost her. And um, because the odds were, you know, it's not that he wasn't hopeful. It wasn't that he wasn't trying. He was doing everything he possibly could. We had a cell phone if we needed to talk to him. I mean, it was a relationship that we built. And the same thing with our oncologist in Kansas City. Uh, and we've gone back to our oncologist. We had a chance to go ahead and when the book came out, we presented her with the book and, and uh, I had signed it and Stephanie had signed it. And she was uh, she had a chance to get into it and then really wanted to get involved. So she went ahead and placed uh, a book in every one of her treatment rooms. So as people are getting um, as they're getting their chemotherapy, they've got something that they can take a look at and then they can go out and buy their own copy or whatever. She's also using it for some rural people because you get into some of these rural states and they're working with their local doctors and they're thinking, wow, we don't have the facilities here and it's easy to give up. And so she's trying to go ahead and, and uh, let these people be aware of the book so they can go ahead and see that sometimes you do need to go ahead and take uh, make change in your life and change the physician you're with or go to a better uh, place. I talk about that in this Living Through a Crisis pamphlet. You know, if you've got a crisis that isn't very severe, if you've got like stage one uh, cancer, it's still serious, but it isn't as critical that you go to the best possible place in the world because there's a lot of places that a lot of physicians, a lot of institutions that can take care of you and do an excellent job. But the more severe it is, the lower your chances of survivals and such, you've really got to find out uh, the places that are, are have an expertise in that. And there are places around like that. For us, it was the Mayo Clinic and the University of Kansas. And don't take no for an answer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how hard do you work to go ahead and save your child? Fortunately, I've never had to be put into that position. I can't imagine what it would, well, that would be like. It was difficult, but it also made decisions easier. If we didn't find what we were looking for, we needed to, we, we needed to continue to look. And it gave us a, um, it was, uh, it was a very easy decision to go ahead and give up many things in our lives to focus in on this and to give every resource that we had towards it to go ahead and get the grand prize. And that we, that's what we got. And, you know, I hope the book hits the New York Times bestseller list and I hope it stays there for 200 weeks. <laughs> well, that would be wonderful. And I tell you what, it isn't about selling the book. It's about no. getting the story out to the people. And um, I've had so much fun talking with people. Well, I've had some book clubs reach out to me. In fact, uh, this last week, uh, my daughter and I, uh, they asked if they could talk with us. And I said, sure. So they went ahead and uh, we did a Zoom call with uh, a group out of Colorado. And um, it was so much fun because a number of them had experienced cancer. Every one of them had read the book. And when they start giving us feedback, 
they were touched by different, each one of them was touched by different parts of the book. Some of the people really loved the, the uh, life lessons that I put in there. And one of the life lessons was about physicians and the fact that they're people too, and that they've, you don't know what's going on in their lives. They've got challenges too. But uh, some of the people liked the, the humor in it. I tried to go ahead and sprinkle humor in there because it couldn't be just an, oh my God, book. And, and the reader couldn't take that. And so we put in, we sprinkled stories throughout our life in there, uh, uh, some of them embarrassing for us. I remember Stephanie and I, you know, when we were compiling the book and saying, do we really want the whole world to know about this? <laughs> and yet we knew that we needed to do it for the readers. And, and because of that, the results that we've gotten back, the reviews have just been incredible. And because it's honest, it's an honest depiction of what really happened and, and the outcome uh, speaks for itself. And you know, they brought that up. Some of the people in the book club brought that up. They said, you put in there some stuff that you guys got into, got angry with each other and you had fights and you did these different things. And they said, thank you. You made the book real. And that's what it was. You know, I wrote in that journal every day, whatever happened that day. And uh, so warts and all, that's what comes out in it. But it, it's, it's just a life experience. And um I keep hearing from one of the comments I hear most often is when people are reading the book, they say, it's like we're there with you. It's like we're part of the team. We're just we're just uh, with you at every appointment. We're with you with uh, waiting in the surgery uh, for the surgery results and, and the results of the chemotherapy and such. And so I'm so happy that I was able to bring the words to print. And again, when I wrote this, it took me a long time to write, write it and then find the agents and the publishers and to get it out. And um, there was somebody on my shoulder. There was God was looking over. Uh, there was times I'd sit down to write and I'd say, how am I going to write this? And all of a sudden the words would just flow. So um, fortunately, things uh, came out real well and we're getting really good results. Congratulations again. Because that Thank you. not not only for the fact that you wrote the book and it's a. Uh, it's going to sell a lot of copies, but you're going to help a lot of people. You're going to give people hope. That's what's exciting. That's what's exciting because we're already starting to hear these stories from people that that uh, were making an impact, and um, and it's difficult to spread the information. I've I've become a member of several cancer groups, and I can't tell them that I'm an author. I can't tell them that I've written a book. I can't tell them things like that because they've got because they've been taken advantage of, and people just go in and try and hawk uh, remedies and books and whatever. And so it's, it's difficult to get the word out. And so that's one thing that when I hear back from people and they compliment the book, I really try to ask them if they have someone in their life that could benefit from this book. Is there someone they want to share this information with? Because there's a lot of people out there just like us that are struggling and they've got this, oh my God, thing happening in their life. And they're not sure what to do. And if this book can give them a direction, if it can give them some examples on what to do, then this is it's a success, no matter how much it sells. And um, living through a crisis is we all, to one degree or another, we all have crises in our lives. Definitely. And it would be really cool if you had kind of a blueprint so that you could say, all right, we got to set goals. We got to do this. We've got to be yep. positive. We've got to have affirmations. We've got to do all of these things together to make it all work. But most of the time, we don't have the resource. So thank you for writing that. I think it's going to be awesome. You're very welcome. And anybody that's interested, you can get it on Amazon. Um, and the name, the title is again, is Living Through a Crisis, a Guidebook for Loved Ones by Michael Schnabel. Um, if you want to, you can go to my author website. It's also got both books there. If you were to go ahead and want more information about me, my background, things like that, and that's authormichaelschnabel.com. And um, we've got, uh, I've been very fortunate. Um, I did have a publicity group that worked with me and uh, that's how I got connected with you. Thank you so much. And I have had a chance to be interviewed in a lot of places and we've got a lot of those uh, interviews on my website. Uh, we have been on the local NBC affiliate, uh, the local Fox News affiliate. Um, we were picked up by a radio station in Spain uh, that reached out and asked if they could go ahead and interview me. And uh, we hadn't even contacted them. They came to us. 
And, uh, and that was exciting because this was the largest English-speaking radio station in Spain, and they broadcast to 128 different countries in Europe. Wow. And uh, so it was really fun to, to go ahead and talk with them and, and look at a different uh, uh, style of communication and everything else. It was, it was exciting. It was fun. Well, you're, you're, it's so powerful and, and you're so passionate about what you do. And it's, it's a story that, that everybody wants to tell, which is why, you know, and everybody wants to interview you. By the way, you've done a bunch of podcasts now. How do we stack up over here at Positive Talk Radio? Oh, you do. You guys do excellent. And you were my first. I know. Uh, yeah, you were my first. And it was so exciting. You gave me so much confidence, uh, Kevin, uh, because I didn't know what I was getting into. And I kept worrying that I was going to screw it up. And and you made me feel so comfortable. You made me feel so uh, confident. And it was it, it was like talking to a good friend. And it's the way I feel right now. Well, I got to tell you, you are one of my favorite guests of all time. And, <laughs> well, thank you. And primarily it's because your story, I, I tear up every time I talk about the opportunity to talk to a 17-year-old who still has his mom. Yeah. And, and the family that was, even though, yeah, okay, you're human and you fight occasionally. You had a difference of opinion on how to proceed. And that that's all part of it. But sure. at the end of the day, you are you are as strong as steel working together and uh and the outcome speaks for itself. Yeah. And I'll tell you the um the arguments were very few and far between. We had one knockdown drag out and we had we had been carrying things around and we emptied our buckets and we it took an hour, it was ugly, and then after the end of it, we apologized, we forgave each other. And we never had another problem. And it made us stronger as a team. It really made us stronger. Life happens to you. And uh, you mentioned your story with your, your brother. And everybody has a story. Yeah. If it isn't about cancer, it's about something else. There are so many, there's so much division in our country right now. It's ridiculous with the politics and the race and the whatever. We just need to go ahead and get along with each other. We need to love each other. We need to take care of those people around us. And I have been practicing that, and I cannot believe how much love I get in return. I can't believe how people feel about the book, how, feel, how people are excited about it and how they want to share it with other people and their family. It's been really a lot of fun. It's been a great experience. And when you talk to people and they gen and they really get who you are, that you are a genuine human being and that you, and that you care a great deal for humanity in at whole, um, that it shines through. Yeah. Well, I've, I've been blessed all my life. And if I can give something back, if I can help some people, um, gosh, it, you know, it feels so good to be nice to people. It feels so rewarding to, to uh, help people. It's, it's, uh, it's almost selfish as you go out and you do it. And uh, I, I love to do it. I love to help others. Interestingly enough, I was doing a podcast a little earlier today, and we were talking about developing good habits. Yeah. And we, and we said, and I said basically, well, because he said, okay, start small. Just do one thing whatever it is yeah do that one thing plan on doing it every day and then do it every day and it can be a real small thing and i said how about smiling at somebody and saying good morning how are you yes and, you know and he said that's that's a perfect way to begin because it doesn't take anything right. you're not required and requiring them to do anything you can just say good morning how are you today yeah and that yeah, may be the only see, it's fun to see people's reactions. It's <laughs> it's fun because you have people um you have people that stop and talk to you and are excited about having someone to just talk to that's nice. And then there's other people that look at you like, what's your goal here? What's your aim here? There's just not no trust at all. And it, it's just really fun. But yeah. My kids uh, for a long time have said, Dad, we're going into the grocery store. You don't have to talk to everybody. <laughs> and, 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 but it, it's fun. It's fun to be nice. It's fun to uh, help people. And um, uh, I've just got so much to be, I've got so many blessings. I just want to share them. 
It's, it's so true. It's so true. I, I get the biggest kick out of it. I, I, like I told you before, I don't know if you remember, but I drove a bus for 12 years. And while I was driving the bus for 12 years, I made it a habit of saying hello to everybody. How are you? And stuff. Well, not all bus drivers are very nice people. They have what I call the golden handcuffs. They make too much money to quit, but they hate what they're doing. So consequently, they hate the people that they're driving around and stuff. And uh, so occasionally I'll say, hey, how you doing? And, and uh, a guy will take two steps, turn around and say, what did you say? <laughs> yeah. I said, hi, how you doing? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. You know, because sometimes people don't get it when other people are going to be nice to them and they do it for no ulterior motive other than it makes me feel good to be nice to somebody. And, you know, it's I love doing it like if you're in a customer service situation and these people have got a terrible, not not terrible job. They have got oh, a no, job. it's a terrible job. <laughs> it's a challenging job. Yes. And I love to walk up and just say and they say, well, how can I help you? And I'll say, how are you doing today? Are you OK? And, uh, you know, you've got a great smile I'd be, and, and it just catches them and it allows them to stop for a second and recoup and to maybe just have a little bit of moment of pleasure. But so many people walk around with a smile on your face, on their face. And I love to tell them, gosh, I love your smile. And it just gets bigger. And, um, and it's so easy. It doesn't cost anything. And it adds a little love and, and joy in the world. And it's a window to their soul and you can, yeah. and, and they're laying it out there for you to see. Yep. And, and that is, that is so nice. I'm, I, I live in a 55 plus community and you have no idea how many people that have been on the planet for a long time. Yeah. And they're like, I don't like anything. And I don't like politics. I don't like that. You know, and it's like, would you just relax and enjoy, you know, you're here. It's a beautiful day outside. Uh, go and uh, watch the birds. Uh, fly around or whatever you do and uh that's i think we, if we all did that instead of focusing on hate division and fear and how we can up one up the other one yeah and we would be so much better off and it's so simple you know instead of looking for the differences look for the commonality a lot of people have children if you walk up to somebody and say hey how you doing and uh do you have kids how are your kids doing i mean bang, you're in a conversation and they like to talk about it and, and you can just build relationships. And it's, and I really enjoy building relationships with people, especially if it's long-term things. The gentleman that I take my tractor to and have it serviced at, I know about him. I know about his family. The, uh, the places that you frequent uh, often, I always try to develop relationships because I like working with people. I like talking to people and knowing who I'm dealing with, as well as the fact that they give you better service. I mean, it, it's a good thing all the way around. Yes, it is. And they and they actually want to give you better service. Right. That's exactly right. I appreciate you. You know, I, <laughs> I have, I'm an old restaurateur and I have got this problem. And the problem is it, 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 there was this one guy, he claimed to be a very spiritual man and a, a very, you know, very gifted fellow at what he was doing. And I went to breakfast with him. And he treated the wait staff less than nicely. I'll yeah. just say that. And I recognized at that moment that he was not who he claimed to be. Yeah. Because if you really genuinely are interested in the welfare of people, you'll show it. Yeah. And that's, and that's, I could just see your kids going, okay, dad, and would you shut up, please? Or did you, you don't need to embarrass me here again. Well, and you talk about starting out slow. That's exactly how I started out. And I had a motivation for it early on in my life. I had a relationship that, uh, that stopped and there were things that I wanted to tell that person that I never told them. And I thought, what? And they were good things, things that I, I, I really cared about the person about. And I never had a chance to tell that person. And I thought, I'm not going to do that again. And so I thought, I'm going to just start being nice and, and giving people compliments. And so if I'm standing in a checkout line and the person in front of me, the lady in front of me has got pretty earrings, and I'll say, wow, that's really pretty. Or if they've got their, uh, you know, it's just so simple. And you catch people off guard and it's just, it's just fun. And uh, they appreciate it. But, I mean, we all like a little bit of brightening in our day. 
And so there was a motivation for me originally, and then I just got addicted to it. And uh, believe me, I'm not perfect. Believe me, I have my down days. I get upset. I get frustrated. I get angry. Um, but I tell you what, I try to make that uh, limited. I don't have much time for that. I still, the only time I really have a, an issue I, I, is still driving. I'm working on it. Goodness knows I'm working on it. But there are times when somebody does something that I would consider less than intelligent. I I don't give them the 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 latitude that that I should, but, but I'm working on it. I'm working, and I do the same thing. And my wife says, "You know, they can't hear you." <laughs> and my I wife said, said the same thing. But uh, but I would say in general, I would say the people's driving ability has gone downhill from what it was. I agree. I think there's more issues out there and, and people aren't uh, attentive. They're on their phones and, and whatever. And uh, I don't think people take the driving as seriously as they, they should. I mean, they're driving a vehicle that can kill people. Quickly. Yes. So. And and people that in, the, in Washington state, it's illegal to be talking on your phone and driving. But I see it all the time. Yeah. And, and, and these are people that if they get stopped, they'll go, what was I doing? You were talking on the phone. Well, that's, that's not a thing. You're not allowed to do that. You know, so, but it's important. And I, yeah. I just love your attitude about life, about human beings, about uh, taking care of one another. Cause that, that fits right along with this show, by the way. Yes, it does. And you are, you are a, a remarkable uh, man. You've got a remarkable family. Um, daddy's girl is the name of the, uh, book. Please go out and buy it. It is an extraordinary piece of work, um, about an extraordinary family that, that I reference all the time on the show, because if you've got a strong team of people working together and all paddling in the same direction, you, the outcome can sometimes be unbelievably positive. Yeah. And the book isn't expensive. We did it in paperback to keep the price down so more people could get to it. The ebook is even less expensive. And um, uh, it's uh, something that, um, in fact, we've got, a, um, we've got a return policy on the book. And I don't know if that's a normal thing or not, but if you're not happy with it, you can return it and get your money back. Really? Yes. Yes. That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty cool right there. Yeah. By the way. So, I, th I think, I think, yes, I think, I think your daughter's listening to this conversation. It could be. <laughs> and I, I Why just, do you say that? huh? Why do you say that? Well, is her last name? Because I look and see, because we get all the time. We'll get either. Oh, wait a minute. Here's a comment. <laughs> and, oh, uh, let me pull that. Oh, and yes, yes, she is. Am I doing okay, honey? I think I think I think you're doing phenomenally well. And uh, and by the way, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Stephanie who is Daddy's girl in the book, and I'm so pleased that you. I got to have those. I you know. I've done over 2,000 interviews in my life. Mm -hmm. That was one of my most favorite one of all time. Oh, yep, you're doing great, and she loves you. Um, <laughs> it was having you and Stephanie and Caleb, right? Caden. Caden. Yeah. Dang, I did, I did the same thing last he's time. Been, he's been called worse. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was a remarkable interview, and I just enjoyed it thoroughly because you guys are um, the epitome of what you can be if everybody's singing in the same direction and, and working for the betterment of the group. And am I going to tell you that the outcome is always going to be this positive? It may not be, but the relationships that you're going to gain while you're doing this and to become this family unit like that, even if the outcome is that you lose somebody, you'll still remain and still have that, do that, relationship of that outcome do you believe that yeah i do i in fact i've got it in, in the book i think i wrote a passage that said um i don't know what people 
how people deal with it if they lose their loved one. But one of the things that they can feel good about is that they did everything possible to try and help that individual and to try and to save them and to let them know that they're loved and that they're helped and do everything that they can. And if you've done that, that's some solace as you're, as you're moving on. Exactly. Very well said, sir. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you. I appreciate Stephanie. Go to authormichaelschnabel.com and uh, pick up his book. You can get it on Amazon. The Living Through a Crisis, I think that's a book that everybody should have on their shelf. Yeah, I, I think it'll help a lot of people. In fact, that, again, that came out in the book club that we were just talking with. They said that they are going to go ahead and they said that this book allows them to refocus in different parts of their life on ways that they can go ahead and enjoy more out of their life and to help others. And they talked about it being important that it would be benefit to everybody, young or old, in crisis or not. We all need to be reminded of the important things of life to try and take care of each other, the importance of love and the importance of uh, family and, and friendship and being there for other people and giving. And uh, this book, uh, does a, I believe, does a good job in doing that. And that's one thing I put out there. If you're in a book club, this is a wonderful book for book clubs. And um, uh, I really enjoyed uh, getting on uh, with the book club with the group. And I'd be open to doing that uh, in the future with other clubs. Let's put that out there as something that you're going to you and you and Stephanie, if you well, if you like staying in hotel rooms, can go across the country and you can and you can do book signings. And and, and I think, by the way, just between you and me, I think you would make a tremendous speaker. As well, thank well. you. Yeah, I've been approached. Um, I. We've had some other issues going on with the uh, with extended family uh, that is, is a little challenging right now. And so I need to really kind of um, recoup, regenerate and uh, refresh myself uh, dealing with some of the things that have been going on in the family. And once I get my strength back and I'm settled again, I think I can go ahead and, and maybe entertain that because um, uh, I would love to get this out. I would love to speak at churches. I would love to speak uh, uh, in groups and just share some of this information because there are so many people in need. Every person that's listening right now can think of someone in their family or in their friend that's struggling, every single one of us. And uh, if we can help each other just kind of get through this life, uh, it's its own reward. You are in the position and you all have already done it there are people that are walking around that owe who they are to what to this book and what you're talking about because it's it's important and they and you've changed lives and and you may the cool thing is Michael you may never know and you probably won't ever know and that's okay and that has to be okay yeah. because it, it ain't us that's that's putting it out there there are people that are going to listen to this episode because it's important for them to do so and we will have nothing to do with it and somebody else somebody else has got has got that plan to put this interview your book in front of them so that they can live their lives to the best degree possible and uh living through a crisis you don't know when that crisis is going to come yeah last or two as a matter of fact uh um, one year, 362 days ago, my mother was playing bridge. Hmm. Uh, now that's a game. I don't know if you know how to play bridge, but that's no, a I game that's, that's dying because yeah. it only really old people play bridge. Yeah. My parents was, yeah. Yeah. And, but she was playing bridge. And uh, then on Thursday she went out to dinner and on Friday she passed away. Hmm. You don't know when that's going to happen. It can happen at the blink of an eye. The good Lord decided to take her home, and um, and so that's how she just that's how she went. But then that leaves the rest of us to pick up the pieces. Yeah. And this the living through a crisis. If you have this book, it gives you an easy reference to get started and what to do. And Kevin, I want to thank you because without the format that you've given me to talk and to share some of this information and get it out to people, none of this happens. 
So thank you so much for the, I know that this has been a journey for you, uh, doing your radio program, doing your podcasts and such, and that it's been something that, uh, a dream of yours, and it hasn't been easy at times. And I know it's taken a lot of your own finances and a lot of your own effort to go ahead and make this happen. And you keep getting up every day and doing it. And uh, it's, it makes the world a better place. So congratulations. I'm proud of you. Well, th- you have no idea what that means to me. That that's a, that's a lot, and I really appre- I really really appreciate that because that's. But at the same time, I got to tell you, Michael, you energize me. <laughs> Good. I, I went in. I went into. I was like, I'm tired. It's Friday at four o'clock. I don't need that. But you energize me because this is why I believe that I was born to be on this planet to have conversations like this with you to help people recognize that we can live in peace and in love and, and enjoy and take care of one another. And uh, you are exemplifying that more than most people I've ever met. And so kind words you are, well, I like to speak the truth. Yes. And that, then that's very true for me. So thank you. So then somebody's going to say, all right, would you guys quit gushing over? Yeah, I know. I know. I thought the same thing. I know it's a little silly, but um, you don't find people every day that make an impact on your life. And so it's important to recognize that and to thank the person for doing that. And we both done it to each other here. But I, again, that's another thing that I try to point out when people have an impact on my life. I have been spending the last, since I retired, uh 14 years ago 15 years ago i have been reaching out to a lot of people from my childhood and throughout my life and thanking them for various things that they did and that happened and for their friendship and such and it's so rewarding and um we need to recognize that in other people you're a smart man (laughs) Uh, you you really are because that that I'm, I, I'm going to put that on my to-do list. That Good. Is, Good. Yes, I, I, think I, I think I really should do that. So I'll tell you I, one, one quick story. The, yes. uh, one of uh, the gentlemen, a gentleman that I became very, very close with as, as, I, as we grew up, from three to, to nine years old, we were best friends. We were in that same neighborhood, and we did everything together. I mean, we did everything together. And then we went our separate ways as we got into high school and and uh, and went on to different things. He became a minister, and we hadn't heard each other heard from each other for probably twenty years. And so I looked and searched for him, and finally found out a way to connect. And he was a minister in a small town, and so I called him. And it was funny because I called him. And I says, "Hey, Dave, I just I just really want to talk to you, and I want to thank you for all the things that that." that we experienced together and for the life that we had together, you had such an impact on my life. And it was so funny because I could just tell him waiting for what I was going to ask for, (laughs) (laughs) you know, know, why, where did this guy come from and what does he want from me? And because, you know, so many people in, in that position get taken advantage of. And uh, after two or three times, I think he finally realized that, nope, I just wanted to say hi and hello and thank you. And so, uh, but it's, it's, again, it's a, you can call it a selfish act because it really makes you feel good when you reach out and you thank people and you do things with other people. So I appreciate everything that you do now. I'm before I go, yep. I, I want to give you an opportunity to look our audience straight in the face and tell them anything you'd like them to know. Well, I think that we live in a world that is full of chaos. And if we start focusing in on the things that we have in common instead of the things that differentiate us, I think we'd be a lot better off. If you want to talk to your neighbor and he talks politics, you don't have to get involved with that. You don't have to get into racial racial discussions. Ask them about their kids. It melts them. It goes ahead and it takes away all the barriers. Ask them how they're doing, what their life goals are, what the what's the best experience they've had in their life. Move the sub move to subjects that you've got in common. And I think that it can make we can make the world a better place. And maybe that's silly, maybe it's a pipe dream, but I found it sure makes my life happy. It's not silly, nor is it a pipe dream. It is something that I believe that we 
people like you and me are fomenting that possibility that that can happen in the future. And more and more people are going to start thinking that way rather than what, <laughs> what the preacher was. Saying. All right. What's he after? What's yeah. He <laughs> and he never said that, but I read his body language pretty well. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, and you can understand it's like, it's like when my son calls me at 10 o'clock in the morning, he never calls me at 10 o'clock in the morning except for one reason. Dad, um, I don't have any lunch money until Friday. <laughs> so, you know, so you get you, but in any event, uh, we've been talking with, uh, um, um, you know, I almost said um, David Schnabel. Because <laughs> I, I grew up with a kid named David. Oh. Unfortunately, he had, um, he, um, he was suicidal and committed and had right. and and did suicide in when he was young um but gary his brother is still alive and and stuff so i so that's a shout out to david wherever you are and i i wish you all the best and and michael thank you for being here go to author com. uh get his book daddy's girl your heart will melt and i promise you because it's 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 a wonderful story, and uh, and and send it to everybody that you know that has cancer or <laughs> I was going to say everybody that you know that has cancer or is thinking about having cancer they need to read this book. <laughs> no, I think everybody has an equal shot at cancer at one point or another. But I, it's just me. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate you. Thank you. I do uh, you as well. And you're going to be on in September on two different occasions. Yeah. yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. And it's time for you to go have dinner. So I need to go and leave you alone. <laughs> Take care, Kevin. Thank you. Okay. Wait right there. I'll be right back. Okay. Hey, thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of PositiveTalkRadio.net. Please visit our website, oddly named PositiveTalkRadio.net, for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember... Be kind to one another because each other's all we got.